0: Thanks Twigga, we're going good, everyone recovered from young adults retreat, anyone still here from retreat, there's a couple of people, most people sleeping, we are um, in the middle of series as, as Pastor Dave was saying and so I had a bit of a free reign of what to speak on uh, tonight and so um, I've fallen on that topic of, of wisdom And so that's what we want to talk about tonight. There's a lot in this subject that we could delve into. Uh, Wisdom is a a pretty massive topic and we could talk into the different ways in which you can gain wisdom. Um, But we don't have that time limit tonight. But what my prayer is for us as we read through uh, 1 Kings chapter 3. Is that we will be uh, recalibrated? We'll be reminded afresh of the importance of wisdom, and I'm not talking about just any wisdom. I'm talking about the wisdom of God. So, are you good for this? Ready to go? Yes. No one is. Um, and so, I to i was reminded of a story that I um, that I experienced very uh, probably just out of high school in my twenties, full of wisdom. Uh, you asked my parents, there was a lot of. Uh, decisions I made that lacked wisdom. But this one particular one um, was based when a mate of my, and myself went... Um, we, what we used to do is we'd go surfing in different locations and we'd get a car and we'd go to the Sunshine Coast or the Gold Coast and we would find ourselves at these different locations and stay overnight. But this one particular time we begged my mate's dad, who had a successful business, and said, look, can we take one of your work trucks I mean, we'll look after it. We'll do really good. And eventually, he said, "Okay, that's fine. Take this old truck. It's a two-seater. It's got a metal cage at the back of it, and you can. And it's got a big green hessian uh, canvas, or sorry, a big green canvas cover to keep it waterproof." And so we went down, grabbed that on a Thursday afternoon, took it back to his parents' place, filled it with our surfboards, uh, some mattresses. Uh, a little gas cooker and anything else that I don't know what we'd need, uh, maybe some clothing and we went off, well, we were about to go off on our adventure and then we realised that we had no food. All right? And so we had this conversation whether we should not take the truck how his dad had probably advised us not to or uh, just take a car and we came up with a good thought of wisdom and we went, let's take the truck, it'll be a good experience. And so we took it to Chermside And back then, Chermside, the cinemas was right up on the top uh, next to the very top car park. And when you drove past the entrance, everyone who was either going in or coming out congregated at the front. So you'd get quite a good audience. And so we drove in, saw all the people there, pulled out, got our, our groceries, loaded it back in. And then we had this thought we'd realise that if you can hit a speed bump in this truck at a certain speed, it would actually begin to hop like a kangaroo. Some of you who are learning have discovered you can do that with your clutch. But this happened just by hitting it with speed. And this uh, two-man truck would just begin to jump and the cage would rattle and we thought it was the funniest thing. Um, And so we did this. We lined up, we came past everyone and we hit this speed bump. And sure enough, the, the truck began to hop, right, and we're laughing, and people are looking at us, and then it settled down, we drove off. And it wasn't until we got about 30 metres down the road that I looked in the passenger mirror, and I saw this man pursuing us with great speed. And I knew it wasn't good because his face was very red. And I said to my mate, I went, oh, this probably isn't the best. Maybe we should pull over and see what he wants. And he came up beside us and he says, what have you guys done? And in that moment, my body did this uh, amazing thing where you can get really, your body goes really cold, but you sweat at the same time. Has anyone experienced that kind of anxiety? And... um, he said, what have you done? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. And he said, you have written off every car in the car park. And I felt anxiety like I'd never had before. A moment of realising my lack of wisdom. And I prayed in that moment. I prayed for wisdom. I said, oh, God, you're going to have to help me. I've only got $10 in my account, and I'm going to be paying off these cars for the rest of my life. And so I said to my mate, just go park the car, I'll go with this guy, we'll find out what's happened. And he got a little bit excited and over-exaggerated, but what had happened is the cage door, instead of being two doors that open up, had actually come off the hinge. And so this double door just kept bouncing off every car as we went past. Has anyone done that before? It's good. And so I went and had a look at these cars, and God was good. There was just a few scratches. There was a Volvo, which nothing happened to that. That was fine. Um, And I said to this guy, I'm like, okay, let me go back to my friend. I need to sort some things out, and I'll come back. And I remember walking to the truck, praying and thinking, Lord, my life is over. And um, I went back, and... I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, but most of the cars had left. and had gone. Um, so if you're watching this and it's your car, I apologise. But there was one car left and God was so good, this guy walked out and we'd, we'd punched a 20% piece hole in the in one of the tail lights. And he said, looked at me and he said, um, I've been a youth before as well. And I remember thinking, thank you, Jesus. I said, from this day, I will serve you with as much wisdom as you can offer me. And my life has been the perfect ever since that is a lie but in first kings we have this an account of a young king in Israel and he was faced with this life-changing decision or this life-changing question and this person is called King Solomon you may have heard of him and King Solomon's reign began when his father King David passes away and this takes place about 90 uh, 970 BCE And we know who King David is. King David was that shepherd boy, remember? Who um, went? His dad sent him to go to the the battlefront to bring supplies to his brother. And when he turned up, he saw that there was a Philistine there uh, called Goliath, a behemoth, and um, and all of Israel's armies were hiding and cowering in the corner. And he turns up and he says, "What's going on?" And they said, "Look, that there is what's going on." And he says. Like, I've seen the faithfulness of God in the past. Like, I've seen it out as a shepherd boy. Like, lions and bears came, but God provided. And that's where we get this scripture that says, um, where David said, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come at you in the name of the Lord's heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you, Goliath, have defied. This is the David we're talking about, who then becomes a king. And he's known as this warrior, this king who is loved by the people of Israel. Acts 13 tells us that he was a man after God's own heart. He was a man of great wisdom. And under King David, Israel received great favour from God and were mostly a well-established godly nation. Did King David have these failures? Yes, he did. But we get these beautiful Psalms which, which point out his heart of surrenderance in that. One of the, comment, the commentators says that King David's legacy that he left was a long and rich one. That he actually unified the nations, gave the people peace in their land and extended the borders of the kingdom. God chose David to establish the dynasty that eventually brought Jesus the saviour into the world. He provided much wealth that was used to build the temple. He also purchased the site in which the temple was built on. God gave David the plans for the temple. God God gave David the right people to build the temple. David wrote songs for the Levites for their worship of God. He also provided the musical instruments. He organised the temple ministry. He taught the people that the worship of God was the number one priority. What a resume this king had. But here we in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 3 to 15, we find ourselves with David, uh, sorry, King Solomon taking over, and he would have been around about the age of 20. And this is the life defining moment for him taking over a kingdom which had seen so much blessing and seen his dad rule with great success. Listen to this. Solomon loved the Lord and followed all the decrees of his father David except that Solomon too offered sacrifices and burnt incenses at the local places of worship. They did this because the temple had not yet been built. And the most important of these places was worship at Gibbon. So the king went there and sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings. That night, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream. And God said, and here is the life-changing question. He says this to Solomon. Solomon, what do you want? Ask and I will give it to you. In other words, Solomon, you are the king. It's your turn to reign. Everything is under your feet. You name it and it's yours. I don't know if anyone's come up to you and said that before, but I could imagine what I'd be asking for. But look at this next response, this honest response that comes from him. And we see three aspects that um, Solomon brings in his response. The first one is this to this amazing life changing question anything he can have. Well, Solomon replied, he said this firstly, you showed great and faithful love to your servant, my father David. Why? Because he was honest and true. And faithful to you and you've you continued and you have continued to show this great and faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on this throne meaning a dynasty it's Solomon's way of saying God I have seen how great you are I've seen in the past how faithful you have been I've witnessed it firsthand I've seen. The goodness that flows when a king seeks your face, God. I've seen how you build kingdoms. You are a faithful God. And then the second part aspect is this. Then he goes into, now, Lord, Lord, my God, you have made me king and now instead of my father, David. But I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous they cannot be counted. A sign of Solomon's humility and his need for God. It's a crying out to God saying that I'm not equipped enough to do this job that you've called me to do. It's a weighty call, not just to lead people, but to lead your people. To govern your people. Have you read my father's resume? I don't have what he's got. But listen to Solomon's answer after he's talked through these two things. He says this. Give me, this is my answer, give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? Out of everything Solomon could have asked for, he asked for wisdom. And as a result of that, it says in verse 10 that the Lord was pleased that Solomon asked for wisdom. And so God replied, Because you've asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice. And you have not asked for long life or wealth or the death of my enemies. I will give you what you have asked for. I'll give you a wise and understanding heart such that no one else has had or ever will have. And I'll give you then what you did not ask for. Riches and fame, no other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow me and if you obey my decrees and my commands as your father David did, I will give you a long life. And Solomon woke up and realised this dream and he went to Jerusalem, stood before the ark and he burned sacrifices before God to give praise. Here is this young king certainly much younger than his advisors and his officers. These advisors and officers, I'm sure, would have been ones that even served his father. Talk about the fear of comparison. No wonders that Solomon refers himself as a little child, meaning like, I am so far in. I am over my head. And then Solomon's prayer, it's not just a confession of that I haven't got it, But then he says, but God, this nation is great. See, the people were God's people. And which meant that God had a great purpose for Israel to fulfill on earth. And as a king, it was his responsibility to lead them with wisdom. The Lord placed Israel amongst the Gentiles to be a light. This is what Isaiah 42 6 says, a light amongst the Gentiles. Solomon would have seen and heard that God had multiplied the nation and fulfilled his promises to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob. And Solomon's heart was, I want you to do this as well. And then on top of this, this weighty call, his father David had been given the call to build the place of worship, the temple. And his dad said, David said, it's not my right anymore. Solomon, you are the one who is going to build God's temple. Talk about a paper bag breathing moment. What expectation. But this is what I'm drawn to in Solomon's answer. It wasn't a request for fame. It wasn't a a request for uh, status. It was a request for wisdom. And I'm not talking about wisdom that brings self-success, wisdom that built up his stature. It it wasn't a, a, a wisdom to be like, make me a better king than my father. It wasn't a wisdom that says, make this a mighty nation so that we would be feared. It wasn't about leaving a legacy, but it was God giving me wisdom So I can lead your people to you. That's a significant thing. Because the wisdom Solomon is talking about, it's a God wisdom for God's purposes. I love it. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well. And then give me that wisdom to know what is right, And what is wrong? See Solomon asking for wisdom reveals his true heart. See what people ask for usually reveals what they really desire. Have you ever thought about that? And your desires depend on how you envision your life calling. What? How do you envision your life calling right now? What is your greatest pursuit? What is your dreams? Because that is going to determine what you really desire and what you ask for. See, Matthew 6, 21 says this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. See, Solomon asking for wisdom revealed that his greatest love in life was God. And his greatest desire was God's call and God's purpose. To see God glorified. Not his own agendas, dreams, identity. And he knew something. He knew that the the only thing that existed was God. Colossians 1 says this. For in him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether it's thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through God and they've been created for God. Verse 17 says, He is before all things and in Him all things hold together. That there is an incredible truth in your life. If you cling on to one thing tonight is to understand that all things are held together by God, designed by him and designed for him. See, if God is the creator of all things, then he has the wisdom in all things. Do you believe that tonight? I believe Solomon understood that to govern this nation, he knew that it could only be through God's divine leading and wisdom that he'd be able to do this. And this is what enabled a young, seemingly hesitant uh, king, an inexperienced leader, to govern wisely, to see a nation flourish, to see through the com- to the completion the temple, to see what God had promised come to flourish. See, it was it becomes a reliance on God and no longer a reliance on self. It's an identity found in God and not in things or achievements. It's a purpose, a life purpose found in God, and not from a self-centered desire or things that are here today and gone tomorrow. God is all that matters. God is the source of all things. And King Solomon, as a result of this request, or great blessing. He was known as the wisest man to have lived. He saw the fulfillment of the temple. He even writes, in one of his books is the book of Proverbs, a collection of wise sayings. If you want wisdom to live by, Read the book of Proverbs. But with this wisdom had come great wealth and fame, and people would travel to come to get his and gain his wisdom. But in 1 Kings 11, we get a very clear contrast of what life looks like when you move from God's wisdom to a human wisdom. When you, you take wisdom and you action it or you grab wisdom and you put it on the shelf. And this is what takes place. 1 Kings 11 tells us that Solomon actually began to turn from God's wisdom. He was charmed by that, all that was around him. His, his opportunities, the wealth, Anything he could have, anything he wants he could have, the popularity. And but d- despite God's warnings, Solomon chose human wisdom over God's. Life became about his dreams, his pleasures. God had said to Solomon, he said, look, don't take uh, foreign wives as your own. Because what will take place is you'll begin to worship their gods. And sure enough, Solomon began to set up shrines and worship the gods of his wives. Even tells us that he set up a shrine on the Mount of Olives. He was charmed by money and materials Where he used to offer sacrifices and burn incense only to Yahweh, only to the Lord. He began to offer this to other gods. When you read the book of Ecclesiastes, it says you discover when Solomon's heart began to turn from the Lord, he went through a period of cynicism and despair. These are good indicators if you're starting to move to human wisdom and not God's. Cynicism and despair. He even questioned whether his life was worth living. Without a close walk with the Lord, his heart was empty. So he pursued pleasure, became involved in commercial um, ventures with other foreign nations and engaged in vast building programs to fulfill his voids. However, he still found no enjoyment in life. 38 times in the book of Ecclesiastes, Simon Solomon writes, this is the vanity of vanities. His love for spiritual values was placed by love for the physical pleasures and material wealth and gradually his heart turned from the Lord. It's like he'd forgotten Deuteronomy 6, which he'd known well, which says, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you this day, put them upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down. When you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and your gates. Why? Because God's wisdom brings life. And under Solomon's rule, instead of this flourishing nation, it begins to turn and the people are oppressed. The nation regresses and Solomon loses everything. Uh, it, It can happen so quickly. I find it interesting that Solomon actually is the last king of the United Kingdom of Israel. After his reign, Israel splits. And one goes north and the tribe of Judah goes south. How does this passage first kings and the life of solomon how does this impact my life impact our lives well it changes actually everything for me for us it shines a spotlight on our life we begin to ask the questions is this where is my heart where is my identity what is my greatest desire what is my life call and purpose what am i pursuing what is my source of wisdom? Where are we gaining our wisdom from? Are we focused in on just one thing? Or are we allowing God to show us his kingdom? Because if we're not asking God for wisdom, then John, o, where is your heart? See, we may acquire all the knowledge possible to humanity, but if we do not have God's wisdom, we have nothing. You can become the best theologian ever, understand how God works. But if you do not have God's wisdom, if we have not surrendered before God, put ourselves under his wisdom, his leading, his guidance, his lordship, his sovereignty, then we have gained nothing. How easy do we make it about us? Matthew 16, 26 says this, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but you lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul tonight? Listen listen to what Psalm 1, 2 to 3 says. This gives you an indication of what a life Found in God's wisdom looks like. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night, and they are like trees planted along a riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. Doesn't matter what the season is what you are facing, what doors are in front of you, if you are seeking God's face and God's wisdom, his promise is that you will be like a tree planted along the riverbank. The seasons can come, but you'll still bear fruit. Your leaves won't wither and you'll prosper. I'm going to get the band to come up. See, Satan doesn't want us to have a life and a life to the full. Jesus says that Satan comes to seek, kill and destroy. But Jesus has come to give us what? Life and life to the full. Satan doesn't want you to grab hold of godly wisdom tonight. God doesn't want you to understand wisdom. He doesn't want you to spend time learning from him. He doesn't want you to spend time gathering together in connect groups and and learning. He, He doesn't want you to get to know Him through reading the Scriptures. He doesn't want you to read through Proverbs because Satan doesn't want you to have a life to the full. He wants to destroy your life. Satan doesn't want you to seek godly wise counsel. He wants you to think you can come up with it yourself. Sometimes it's so easy for us to think of the the rules or the the do's and don'ts that God gives us as just pretty much this this framework that He says, well, I've just set this up because I want to play a bit of a game with your life. But He's like, no, no, no. I've set up these things because it brings you life. I created you. I know how you work. I think you could talk to most of the pastors up the front. Actually you can talk to all the pastors up the front. And some of them will really tell you about how a journey has changed from one way and now they've found freedom in the next. So we need to build our life on Christ and Christ alone as Hebrews 12 says, the author and perfecter of our faith. know where to start gaining wisdom? Well, this is it, Proverbs 9:10. This is what King Solomon wrote himself. It's this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. What does that mean? Well, the Passion Translation puts it in a really good way. It says, the starting point for acquiring wisdom is to be consumed with awe as you worship Yahweh an understanding of how great our God is, the grace and mercy that's been poured out through Jesus, the wisdom that He has. If you watch this morning's sermon, go back and watch it. He'll give you a greater understanding of the enormity of our God and His creation. It puts things into perspective. And so this is why I invite you tonight as we sing to ask God for wisdom change your perspective change the way you do in your life and so will you stand with me this is my prayer I pray this will be your prayer God give me an understanding heart help me to know the difference between right and wrong and I pray this not for my purposes not that you will bless my plans, but Lord, that you will be glorified. You'll be honoured. You'll be lifted high. That we'll know life, freedom. We'll know joy in our hearts. Lord, and that we can lead people well into your presence. And so just in these moments way before God, will you, you pray that? Maybe a real surrenderance for us tonight. Stop taking the advice from someone else and come and seek God's. Maybe it's business. You've been thinking, well, this plan's been making me money, but God's prompting me that there's a better way to be doing this. Maybe it's in family, maybe it's in friendships, maybe it's in your parenting. Maybe it's in life decisions. Maybe it's an opportunity you have in front of you that all your mates are telling you this is the best opportunity you'll ever got. But you know that God says, I have something better for you. Take godly wisdom. And so Jesus, we pray in this moment, give us a heart of God and give us your wisdom in Jesus' name.
1: Even then, you're.
2: Spoken about before, but wisdom isn't just about knowledge, and we've heard that tonight. It's not just about having a heap of knowledge, but it's the right application of that knowledge, the right application of that knowledge. And uh, before we leave tonight, I just want to pray for you one more time as you go about your week, go about your work, your business, whatever God uh, has called you to do uh, this very week and for your life. I'm just going to pray for you one more time as we uh, go about that, that He might give you uh, the empowerment for the right application of the knowledge that He's laid on your heart, what He's called you to do and what He wants you to do, that He might empower you uh, to do that and to walk in the fullness of that. Father God, I just thank You for uh, Your Word. Thank You for what we've heard tonight. And there's some here that are wrestling over a decision. Some here tonight that need to talk to somebody. Some here tonight that are, on the verge of making a business decision or a contract with somebody, something that's maybe not quite right, deep down in their heart, they know I'm not too sure, I probably shouldn't be doing this and the information that they need, they have, the knowledge they have, but, but wisdom is the right application of that knowledge, of that information, great God. And I just pray for a supernatural strengthening upon your people this very moment, tonight, as they go about, as we go our separate ways this very week and go about into what you've called us to do. I pray that you'd empower us uh, to apply what you've laid on our hearts to do, great God. Give us that that wisdom to know. Give us that wisdom, Lord, that enablement to be able to do what you've called us to do, great God, I really do pray. Lord, the the truth is we we need your empowerment. We're weak and, and we don't always get it right. And so help us, great God, we call upon You tonight. Your Word says that if you ask for wisdom, you'll give it. And that's what we do tonight. As we wrap up this service, great God, we just pray, Lord, give us fresh wisdom, give us fresh understanding. Help us to apply this to our lives, great God, we ask. So Lord, we thank You that we can cry out to You at any time. We can call upon You. And even those one-line prayers, in the very moment where we, we, we just get that feeling in our spirit, I'm not sure if this is right or, or or I need to step into this. I just pray, Lord, as we say, God, help us in this moment. Thank You that You, you answer prayer. I, I believe it from the bottom of my heart. You're faithful and You answer prayer and You help us. So I thank You for that great God. Empower us this week, we pray. And we pray these things in Jesus' mighty Name. Amen. Amen. Feel free if you do want prayer, like I said, you can come down the front or you can go to our prayer lounge at the back. There's a team there that would love to pray for you. Um, And one other thing that I didn't get quite right, the uh, apologetics night that I mentioned is next Tuesday night is actually this Tuesday night and it is here, isn't it? Yeah, so here this Tuesday night, 7 till 9pm and you can find out more details in the uh, foyer area. God bless you. Have an awesome week and we'll see you soon.